Welcome to Midnight Book Club. I'm John Mark. And I'm Alexa. Pour yourself a stiff drink, pull up a chair, and get lost in the fantasy for a while. So, yeah, uh, we have a special episode tonight. What are we, what are we talking about? Uh, are, are we doing a recap of Burning Love? Oh, man. Um, I really, I kind of wish we were but I don't think we are. What is Burning Love for those who haven't heard of it? (laughs) So for those who haven't heard of it, Alexa and I are kind of, we have soft spots in our hearts for uh, The Bachelor and the similar spinoff series. I can't believe you're saying this. I can't believe you're saying that you're a Bachelor stan now. I, that's too strong of a word. <laughs> you are a Bachelor stan. You know every single Bachelor and Bachelorette name. I'm just kidding. No, no I absolutely I'm don't. But I'm because... just saying I was right. Like I, I kept putting on the episodes and you were like, this is stupid. And suddenly around the time listening to your heart came around, you were like, actually, this is kind of entertaining. I see what you mean. It, it is. It is stupid. It, it really absolutely it's is. It's supposed to be stupid. Yeah. Like I hate and. I hate the episodes, and I know you've said this before. I hate the episode, but I really love being like a part of the conversation that happens like outside of The Bachelor. Like I love listening to all the recap shows. I love like the parody TV shows, which The Burn- Burning Love is a parody show. So some um, of my friends actually really like watching it and have no irony about it. But the thing is, I started watching it ironically as like uh-huh, a joke. Uh-huh. No, I really did. I started listening to it because, like, I thought it would be funny. Mm -hmm. And then the joke's on me because now I'm checking Reddit, like, every day. you're reading the Bachelor subreddit and, like... It's not because I'm like, oh, The Bachelor is just such a great show. It's just, it's like, the conversation is addicting. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, the the conversation around it is is interesting. And there's a lot of, like, microcosm-y things that happen in it. And Burning Um, Love is just a send-up of it. It's like, I watched Unreal. It's like the comedy version of Unreal. So it's making fun of every single trope that you see in the mm -hmm. Bachelor universe. Um, It's very familiar if you've ever seen a season or even an episode of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's just really funny because they like, they throw in a lot of like, curveballs but they're not Mm -hmm. like so they're not so like distant from the show that you don't recognize it yeah yep like jennifer aniston in a panda costume yes yes Uh, and it's got this really like absurdist humor that i absolutely love that i'm sure our listeners may have finally have figured out you know there's only been like seven episodes though so they don't they haven't quite experienced the full (laughs) the fullness of my my weird absurd humor I like the absurdist humor in The Witcher, mm-hmm. actually. I like that there's not, it's not like so gritty that there can't be like some jokes in mm-hmm. between. Yeah. Like yeah. Geralt and Dandelion. Like, I mm-hmm. feel like Geralt has a good sense of humor. Mm-hmm. And that's part of why I'm attracted to this series because yeah, it's yep. not always so it serious. Never, it doesn't take itself too seriously, which is, which is kind of great. So today we're going to be doing a recap episode. It's going to be kind of a loose fit sort of. Um, it's going to flow a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just doing summary, what we think, closing parting shots, you know, that kind of thing. Um, next week, I think we're going to do a sort of a palate cleanser fun episode. And we're going to be talking about, are we going to talk about the thing? Are we, are we going to talk about it? Yeah. Should, okay. So we're going to be talking about... King Arthur. King Arthur, The Legend of the Sword. And it's it's such a bad good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so it wants to be a it wants to be a good movie like it mm-hmm. it, it tries so hard um they're like the the cgi is actually really good it had a budget like the acting is pretty good um jude law has probably stress fractures in every part of his feet from carrying that perfor- that that whole movie mm-hmm. um it just like it it actively decided that it didn't want to do the things that would be in its own best interest to be a good movie i think it tried really earnestly mm-hmm. um it tried for that like post game of thrones like mm-hmm. franchise mm-hmm. lord of the rings yeah yeah everybody um, can do game of thrones as you had said it was like knight's tale without any of the fun mm-hmm. like actively sucking the fun out of everything yes Yep. And GoPro shots and Yeah, GoPro shots are a good way to describe Cthulhu yeah. and like all kinds of mixed mythology. Mm-hmm. We'll 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 get into more of the details as to why it why it it bites. <laughs> but uh, it, yeah. it's a it, it is a it is an interesting exercise and we're gonna have a lot of fun with it, I think. Yes. Um, but we should turn our attention to saying goodbye. To the last wish. It's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday, as boys to men would say. Is it? Is it actually hard to say goodbye to yesterday? It is. And I'm mourning. I'm mourning for this first book in the Witcher universe. Like, yeah. how can we leave this behind? Like, I'll have to find the strength. We've, we've made so many friends here, so. But we're going to see him again. Yeah, we will. We will. Not everyone, but we're going to see so, many of them again. One thing I did want to I did want to point out uh, is that in this episode, we are now recording on two mics. Um, previously, we were huddling over one mic, uh, so it's it, like a campfire. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Very know, it was intimate. Kinda, but hopefully, now this should you know we should have a little bit of a better sound here. But there may still be some audio artifacts here, here or there. So bear with us a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, we're we're trying to get a little bit more professional with this. Um, but we'll see. So with, with that being said, uh, we're, it's time to say goodbye. We're going to try and do a quick plot summary. So we, we had a plan for how we were going to approach this. Yes. So before we get into that though, we have to say goodbye with, uh, recapping the final voice of reason chapter. Oh, right. There was another voice of reason chapter. Yes. So I'm going to do that really quickly. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot that happens. Yeah. Yeah. But it's still important to recap. Of course. Geralt and Dandelion are riding close to Elander, and they come across um, a pretty familiar face that at least Geralt recognizes. Mm -hmm. It's one of the knights that was at the Temple of Molitel a couple of days ago that was saying, um, get out of town. Mm -hmm. Falwick was the, like, older, like, mature one, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And he also sees that Tailies, the younger knight that threatened to beat Geralt up, is pacing in the background, ready to fight. Mm. Um, Geralt is like, oh yeah, like I should have expected this. Like I I knew that something like this would happen. Tailies um is apparently deeply offended mm-hmm. by what Geralt said to him. Yep. He's deeply, deeply butthurt. Yeah. I mean, that really is just like the best way to describe it. Mm-hmm. Is he he's just so butthurt. So Falwick is sort of being his mouthpiece mm-hmm. and yep. the He's hype being man. His handler, yeah, is <laughs> actually like yeah. And uh, he tells Geralt that um, Tailies would like to invite you to fight him mm-hmm. in a duel. Fight me. And 
Geralt is like, well, I'm not even a knight. How does this work? Isn't mm-hmm. it kind of like against your code of honor to invite to, me? To fight a non-knight? And Falwick uh, is just like, well, a knight can do whatever he wants. And he's elevating you to his level by basically by deigning to fight, to fight you. you. Mm-hmm. Geralt says, okay, well, I guess I have no choice then. Mm. And Falwick kind of builds upon that by saying you can't just fight him because if you touch a hair on his head mm-hmm. the lord of this area mm-hmm. um who they're calling a prince is going to be really really upset with you because uh mm-hmm. is his favorite mm-hmm. so if you harm him you're fucked mm-hmm. and if you don't choose to participate you're mm-hmm. also fucked so yep. Yeah, basically let him knock you out. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, there's a couple of other like men there. There's Dennis Cramer, who is a dwarf. Mm-hmm. He is uh, kind of standing as the enforcer. Geralt is like, guess I have no choice, mm-hmm. and prepares to go into the duel with his own sword. Yep. Falwick is like, oh no, you can't use your sword. You're going to use this one. Mm-hmm. Geralt's like, very well, not like I can use my sword anyway. Yeah, yep. Um, so basically, they go out into this field, Geralt and Tailies. Mm-hmm. Tailies is fully dressed in his armor. He's, you know, fuming, like steam yep. is coming out yep. of his nose, everything. Um, and he just kind of wildly comes at Geralt, mm-hmm. like swinging. Yep. And Geralt, of course, does nothing. Mm-hmm. However, he does hold his sword up to deflect. Yeah. Yep. And in swinging so hard against the sword and like carrying it, mm-hmm. it his sword comes straight back at him. Mm-hmm. So Tailies takes a swing at him. He is deflected. The mm-hmm. sword comes straight back at him. He's hit in the face mm-hmm. um, and passes out. Yeah. So Geralt does nothing and doesn't, yet... Doesn't touch him, doesn't actually fight back, but actually is still able to like beat him and like win. Yes, and Mm -hmm. so Geralt goes back to Falwick and crew. He's like, okay, he's knocked out. What do I do now? Yeah, yep. And uh, the older knight, Falwick, is just fuming. He's Mm -hmm. so upset. He's like, Dennis, arrest him. He's like harmed uh, Tailies. And Mm -hmm. Dennis Cramer just stands there with his arms folded and says, nope, he didn't do anything. He he didn't do anything. He didn't actually hit him. Tailies knocked himself out. With his own sword, yep. So, no, I'm not going to do anything for that. Uh, Falwick is pretty upset. He's threatening Dennis. He's threatening Geralt. Mm-hmm. But Dennis Cramber says, like, not going to do anything about it. Yep. So Geralt's like, okay, well, I'll take my leave. Uh, like, satisfy my p- curiosity. Now that I've defeated Tailies, like, do you feel comfortable coming at me, Falwick? And Falwick basically doesn't respond. He's like, I've got my answer. Yeah, yeah. And so Geralt and Dandelion head back to the temple. Mm-hmm. Even though he's uh, thwarted the threat for now, he realizes mm-hmm. he has to get the hell out of Dodge. Yeah, yeah. He's, um, because... he's upset. He, uh, a couple of people too many. He's yes. peed in somebody's Cheerios. Yes. So he knows that there's more coming. So he realizes he has to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, a couple of hours later, is ready to go. He's all packed up. He's on his horse. And... Um, Naneke is still sort of upset to see him go. Yeah. yeah She's like, yeah. I really still feel that something bad is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And Geralt's like, I know, but I have to keep going, yep. basically. I can't stay here any longer. 
Yeah. Um, he's been under her protection this whole time. And now he's riding out into the world, into mm. the extended universe. So he's running out into the extended universe. Like <laughs> <that>. <laughs> um, so our hero cannot stay here, even though I'm sure he would like to under different circumstances. Mm. Um, as he's riding out, he sees Iola, mm-hmm. who is holding a box out to him, mm-hmm. which I think is like his belongings, some gifts, etc. And uh, Iola, who of course doesn't speak, he can tell yeah, that she so yeah. badly wants to talk to him because of course they've slept together. Yeah, Iola yeah. seems to have some sort of crush on him. She actually has something to say, maybe, maybe. But anyway, she doesn't say anything. Mm-hmm. So um, Geralt is taking the box and they accidentally touch. And then like visions of just bloody fire mm-hmm. and chaos flood mm-hmm. her mind. She is completely immobilized by fear. Yep. And she yep. passes out like in a, you know, like blood is running down from her nose. Mm-hmm. She is completely shocked by what she saw. Neneke, everyone runs toward her. And Geralt talks to Neneke briefly after that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, Neneke asks, like, you've seen this before, haven't mm-hmm. you? I've seen it too. And Geralt says, yeah. Yeah, yep. But even so, he has to continue riding on, even mm-hmm. though he's seen this and even though he knows. He knows that this is the vision that's waiting for him at the end of the rainbow. I think you just ruined all of the tension I was building toward Dalmark. Yep, that's what I'm good at. <laughs> Um, so yeah, like there's this really kind of tragic parting scene where like, mm-hmm. of course, Neneke wants to protect Geralt, but she can't. Yeah, and Geralt yeah. rides off with Dandelion out of side and, uh, we don't know what awaits him on the other side, mm-hmm. but that, that is the end of the last wish. Yep. That is, that is the last voice of reason. And with that, we have completed our well, we've completed the summaries of the books. Mm-hmm. Um, do we want to just lump our summary of the last voice of reason into uh, into the end of the book? Yes. Into the rest of the summary? Hmm. Yeah, we'll, we'll circle back to it at the okay. end. I think that's a good idea. Um, so what we were going to do for our... What we were going to do for this episode um, is for the summary portion, we're going to try and summarize every chapter in one sentence. <laughs> It's hard. <laughs> so not the whole book, but each chapter only is, is only getting one sentence. So why don't we do like a lightning round? I'll ask you one. You ask me one. Okay, but I don't necessarily have our responses memorized. But go ahead. Well, I'll, 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 I'll improvise. We'll do it live. Okay. The Witcher. Um, Geralt fights scary inbred monster Striga lady. Okay. We'll move on. Okay. A grain of truth. Grain of truth. Uh... Geralt fights a vampire and frees the beast from his curse. Hmm. Okay. The lesser evil. Uh, Geralt murders a bunch of people that people don't know are bad guys. Um, A question of price. Geralt meets his destiny in the way of Pavetta, the edge of the world. Um, a midnight summer's goat's life simulator. Okay. Well, we'll go with that. <laughs> um, the last wish. Geralt meets his true love and they 
together will continue to ruin each other's lives. I, I see. I see you took the moral high road with your your plot summaries. I guess somebody needs to. Somebody needs to take this seriously. I guess. All right. Now let's. I mean, I would have called the last wish basically the introduction of Geralt, Oss, and Rachel Lefer. Okay. Oss and Rachel. Yeah. No, I get it now. Okay. I'm just. It's. It's, it's not it's funny. Not funny. <laughs> I thought it was very funny. I I'm get funny, it. I'm not okay? <laughs> I'm funny. Okay. All right. I don't think men are funny, but. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's move on to our summary mm-hmm. really briefly. Yep. Uh, let's talk about each section. Uh, the first is Voice of Reason Chapter 1. Mm-hmm. So that's where um, Geralt's in the Temple of Melitol. Yep. Yep. He and Diola um, have sex, mm-hmm. and uh, Geralt is angry at her for not being someone else. Yeah. Yes. Just. Yeah. Um, so the, this 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 uh, vignette kind of serves to set up a little bit of Geralt's character. Shows us a little bit of his philanderingness. Mm-hmm. Yes, I own a thesaurus, um, and it shows a little bit of like the world that we live in because we also kind of very quickly learn that this girl that he's sleeping with may not necessarily be a human. I mean, she is, but she isn't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, do, do we know that she's able to play tricks with his mind? So so. she she made him think that she was a water elf, water nymph, water nymph. Okay. Water elf. Water elf. What is that? I don't know. My my brain kind of, kind of transposed some things there. All right, so let's move on to The Witcher, mm-hmm. the first chapter of The Last Wish. The chapter of The Witcher. Yes. The, the chapter, the, the Witcher. Yeah, of the, the chapter. Witcher ending. The poison um, for The Witcher. Yes, you can stop doing that bit now. I, I love that bit. Okay. Okay. Um, so Geralt is in Tamaria, mm-hmm. and he goes to fulfill a contract for King Foltest, which mm-hmm. happens to be a... Uh, breaking the curse of an incest baby. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, who Foltis had with his daughter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so it was a daughter he had with okay. his sister. Yeah. No, yes. it, it would have been much more effed up in that case. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> not 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 by much. I, yeah, I was gonna say I don't know. Are we are we really like assigning value here? Like this is the bronze star of <laughs> the bronze star of incest. <laughs> Here's the silver of, <laughs> of incest. So to summarize, uh, Geralt takes a contract mm-hmm. um, from the King of Temeria, Foltest, mm-hmm. to break the curse mm-hmm. of his incest child mm-hmm. who has been a striga for many mm-hmm. years now. Yep. Um, and has been wreaking havoc on nearby villages. Uh Geralt is able to do it with some difficulty and ends mm-hmm. up getting his neck ripped open. Yeah. Um, so this this episode is is once again. You said episode. Yep, I did say episode. Uh, so this short story is very good at showing. This is where we kind of first see Geralt's more uh, code of morality. Uh-huh. Um, the whole the whole short story kind of plays like a video game intro cin- cinematic. 
um, which is ironic because they made a, a bunch of video games off of this. But, you know, we've already talked about that a little bit. So actually, um, this was the intro to Witcher 1. It was actually the intro cinematic. Maybe Not that, that I played it. <laughs> we we did watch some people play it because it, it looks rough. Looks terrible. It looks it looks real rough. I, I, I usually storyline is what will keep me going through a video game. I don't know that it would have kept me going through that. It's a but. good intro to Geralt in the universe, mm-hmm. his relationship to others, and um, his relationship with monsters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, that's kind of the first place where we start to see a little bit of his his uh, belief in like sort of the holistic, no no monster left behind style of He's of a bleeding heart. Monster. He, he is a bleeding heart, actually. He's a tree hugger. He's yeah. a monster hugger. Um. Yeah, so because, you know, most of the other witchers, we also see a lot of a lot of his honor and the character building here. Um, we see that, you know, other witchers have shown up and they basically just took money and ran. Right. Um, yeah. We see him actively denying and saying, no, no, I, I will not do that. So, yeah, there are several things we're introduced to, like witcher potions and, mm-hmm. uh, you know. King Foltis of Temeria as a character who mm-hmm. we learn about later. Yeah um strigas who are a key monster mm-hmm. um so lots of introductions here yeah yeah we move on to voice of reason chapter two and um, that's where we learn a little bit more about where Geralt is mm-hmm. now which is the temple of molitol about um his injury which mm-hmm. was pretty extensive he came to the temple um where neneke is the head priestess to recover because that's a place that he frequents Mm -hmm. and the neke is nursing him back to health Mm -hmm. um so it is establishing the timeline a little bit yeah i was gonna say this 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 episode actually or i keep calling them episodes this this uh short story kind of serves to really hit home where the um where we are and and show that it's actually just bouncing around a bit in time yes Um, where is Geralt now What is he doing in the current timeline? Mm-hmm. Who are these characters that he's spending time with? Yeah, yep. And then we move on to A Grain of Truth, mm-hmm. which is really a monster of the week. Yeah, yeah. It, sort it's of. A, it's a great chapter. monster of the week side story. It doesn't have a lot of bearing on uh, the plot. Mm-hmm. But um, to summarize, Geralt comes across a couple of corpses in the woods. Mm-hmm. Uh, finds it intriguing, decides to follow mm-hmm. the path to a haunted house that's mm-hmm. enchanted. He yep. finds a beast there, mm-hmm. says he's cursed, has yep. been cursed for a long time. Um, he has used his beasthood to spend some time with various women who have come to spend mm-hmm. like a year with him. And finally, he found someone who stayed around for a while. Mm-hmm. So Geralt leaves after having dinner with him. And then he realizes... Surprise, she's a vampire. She's a malevolent force. Mm-hmm. She's a Bruxa, which is a... I, I would hesitate to say higher vampire, but um, still vicious and still malevolent. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he has to kill her. So, yeah, in, in this, we, we since this, is, this doesn't really have any bearing on the overarching plot, the only thing that really can come out of it is character building mm-hmm. and uh, seeing background. Um, so we do see a lot of Geralt's, more of his bleeding heartness, um, the fact that he wants to, he spent a bunch of time with the, with the beast, mm-hmm. um, and we see that he, you know, this, this is 
this is more of his morality that he, you know, he views the beast as kind of evil, but it's more of just kind of like a, a guy who's a jerk, not a not necessarily a monster that needs to be murdered kind of thing. Yeah, he can tell the difference mm-hmm. because it's his job to know. Yeah. It's his yep. job to know what's malevolent and what's not. Yeah. And uh, so it's it's a lot of like, who is a monster really? Mm-hmm. Is it just what you look like? Yeah. Is it just... Is it just your teeth and your fangs, or is it something else? Yeah. And we see that he's not going to attack just everyone who looks different. Because mm-hmm. he is different. He knows what it's like to be attacked. Yes. For being different. Yes. And uh, he's able to break the curse at the end, mm-hmm. and we get a happy ending out of this. Yeah, yep, we do. Um, or at least as happy as it could have. <laughs> but anyways. Well, yeah, I mean... I guess his true love sort of died, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But she was a vampire, and she, she was a killed vampire, him. and would have killed him eventually, and/or driven him to kill other people. But anyways, yeah. Uh, one more thing that came of it was just uh, we know that we're going to get a lot of reinventions of fairy tales. That's mm-hmm. something we see again and again. Yes. Yeah. Um. So we see that a lot in The Last Wish. We see it in the future. Mm-hmm. Um. Anse loves to reinvent old things and make them new. This is something that you will see over and over again. That he is he is taking these old tale old tales that we know and kind of putting his own flavor to them, adding his own special sauce kind of thing. So. Yes. Um, moving on to Voice of Reason Chapter Three, this is where we're introduced to the central conflict in our current timeline, mm-hmm. which is there are some people that don't like having Geralt around. Yep. <laughs> in their vicinity, yep. uh, these two knights come to the Temple of Melitol. Mm-hmm demand that Geralt gets out of town as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, Nanake isn't having it. She's really standing her ground. Mm-hmm. Um, she ends up telling them, like, get out of here. Yep. Geralt says, yep. I'll be out of here in three days. The mm-hmm. knights are like, that's not good enough. You need to be out of here now. And um, basically, Tailies, the younger knight, threatens to fight Geralt. Yes, I will, I will actually fight you. Geralt makes fun of him. Mm-hmm. And then they both leave. Yeah. With the understanding that Geralt is going to leave at some point. Yeah. But they're too scared of um, Neneke and the um, the Temple of Melitol and what it would look like optics-wise to attack it or mm-hmm. attack Neneke. And so basically this is a really good chapter that shows like Geralt's place in the world. Um, mm-hmm. It also shows a lot of his um, kind of constant getting dragged into world politics and things on the world stage mm-hmm. um even though he is not intentionally himself seeking these things out they kind of just find him a lot of people don't like him mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we'll see that a lot yeah then we move on to the lesser evil mm-hmm. yep which is about Geralt getting involved in a, a very tense situation between mm-hmm. a local wizard yep. who he had known before in a previous life named Stregobor mm-hmm. and a, a girl named Shrike or Renfrey, mm-hmm. who is our modern day reinvention of Snow White. So mm-hmm. instead of having Snow White be sort of a tragic character, she mm-hmm. being Shrike slash Renfrey ends up taking things into her own hands. Mm-hmm. So the backstory is that there's this curse, the curse of the black sun. Mm-hmm. She's one of those girls who was a, like looked upon as like an evil one mm-hmm. because she happened to be born around a certain time. Yep. Um, as a result, her stepmother ended up enlisting a wizard to first 
just take notes about her mm-hmm. and like observe her and then eventually hired an assassin. Yeah. Um, so Shrike slash Renfrey strikes back and ends up trying to send Stregobor on the run mm-hmm. as he was involved in trying to kill her and trying to uh, play into her stepmother's wishes. Yeah. yeah. So after all of that, um, Stregobor and Shrike slash Renfrey ask Geralt to choose the lesser of two evils. So for Stregobor, the lesser of two evils is just killing Renfri Mm -hmm. because Renfri has apparently done so much damage and so much murder Mm -hmm. uh, that she would be better off dead. And of course, it's of personal interest to him. And Renfri says, look, I was horribly mistreated because of a curse that probably isn't even true. Mm -hmm. So the lesser of two evils is killing Stregobor, who's clearly evil. Mm -hmm. Yep. And at the end, Geralt decides not to make a choice, Mm -hmm. but then he realizes that Renfri is going to hold the town hostage Mm -hmm. unless um, someone puts a stop to it. Yeah. Um, She will only stop when Stregobor is dead, and Geralt does not want to participate in that, so he does Mm -hmm. end up making a choice. Yeah. And he has to kill Renfri in the end, even though he really didn't want to. Mm -hmm. And in the end, he's given the title Butcher of Blaviken. Yep. And this, so this episode, this this short story goes to show basically that we we see a lot of of Geralt's uh, the soft spot that he has for the downtrodden and the outcast, um, and how it is a little bit of an Achilles' heel for him um, that he he gets that, and that's kind of how he gets involved into the bigger politics. I think it's um, more showing that his Achilles' heel is his neutrality. And his code of ethics, because even though he says he won't make a choice, he ends up having to in mm-hmm. the end. His yeah, and it, it I think it's actually kind of both um, that those are the two things that his his quote unquote strict adherence to neutrality, um, which always ends up kind of biting him in the in the end, um, and also the fact that he he he's he kind of gets wooed by a lot of a lot of these vivacious women, I guess, for lack of a better description. I don't know that I like that term. Vivacious. Um, yeah, vivacious. How women. old are you? I don't know. <laughs> Apparently, nine hundred. It felt weird even saying it. Like, let's say complex. These complex, complex women is yes. a better way to describe it. Um, um, and, if you want to edit everyone that, everyone should be complex, line out, really, because yeah, humans be. are complex. Yes, yes, they are. They're and they're dynamic characters. Actually, this is a good a good intro to a lot of the dynamic female characters that. Um, we come across in in a lot of these uh, in a lot of these stories. I think the theme of this is uh, neutrality. Is it really neutral, mm-hmm. even yep. if you have to choose? And what does the lesser of two evils mean? Yeah. Yep. Voice of Reason, Chapter Four. It's exposition from mm-hmm. Geralt. He's just explaining things to Iola, who, yep. as you recall, he hooked up with earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, He's explaining what a witcher is, um, what his swords do, mm-hmm. um, a little bit about Karamorin and Vesemir, and a little taste of what's to come mm-hmm. from the perspective of the plot, and mm-hmm. just explaining a little bit more about the function of witchers in society and Geralt himself. He does a little introduction to the law of surprise that happened in Sintra mm-hmm. more than six years ago. Yeah, yep. Um, he was supposed to come back in six years, but we'll get to that. Um, so moving right into A Question of Price, mm-hmm. which is a really key story and bit of lore. 
So Geralt is summoned to Sintra mm-hmm. and to Queen Calanthe, who mm-hmm. is the ruler of Sintra's um, banquet for mm-hmm. her daughter Pavetta, to marry her off. She is trying to forge an alliance. Mm-hmm. And instead, the banquet gets upended by some no-name knight who ends up being a hedgehog man. Mm-hmm. Hedgehog man. And at the end of the day, um, the curse is broken. They mm-hmm. find out he's a regular dude named Dooney. Mm-hmm. He had been seeing Pavetta for apparently a year. Yep. And uh, at the end, even though Queen Galante tried to kill mm-hmm. Dooney, she ends up getting what she wants because yep. um, she is able to marry into a strategic alliance with uh, East from Skellige, the Skellige Islands. Mm-hmm. And uh, Pavetta is able to marry the man she loves. Yeah. And we'll it never have problems be, again. It appears like, to be a win-win-win-win. It's a win-win-win. So. Um, except at the very end, um, Dooney insists on getting mm-hmm. Geralt something bigger. He yeah. feels he owes him a debt, or at least he says he does. Yeah. And Geralt invokes the law of surprise, which, mm-hmm. of course, means um, something that you have but do not know Mm -hmm. something like that and right after that pavetta throws up and it's revealed that she is she's pregnant yep i don't know if she actually throws up it is revealed she is pregnant she throws up in the tv show but maybe not in the book not in the book actually i I might be confusing that i didn't pay that much attention we need to get our like vomit investigation kits out (laughs) um and like do a deep dive onto this Regardless, uh, at the very end, um, it is revealed that Pavetta is pregnant and that's the end of it. Mm -hmm. We know that Geralt did not, in fact, go back to collect his child surprise. Yeah. And that he sort of shirked that for whatever reason. It doesn't really go quite into it. Yeah. And so this this one is a lot of world building. Um, It shows a lot of the back laws uh, in it gets into a lot of a lot of good i don't want to say superstitions of the people of the time but like a lot of the the high held beliefs that destiny mm-hmm. is a big thing um you can't shirk it it's dangerous to do so final destination you're all going to die horribly you were supposed to die on that plane i transition stories um we and we find out that there's there's larger higher level magic uh that isn't as that isn't as known Mm-hmm. in the world um and so like there's a lot of there's actually just it's mostly world building in this um and yeah. now that i'm looking at it from a from a really high up you know sixty thousand foot perspective and it, it does a, it does a fun job of that uh i think by by showing this this quick little there's a lot of there's a lot of a lot of things we learn about the universe uh in a very very short period of time here the theme is definitely destiny mm-hmm. and uh it introduces a very key plot driver mm-hmm. in the future even though we don't meet the plot driver in this yeah yeah because she's a fetus mm-hmm. we will be introduced to her in the future yep our beloved siri mm-hmm. um so then we move into the voice of reason chapter five mm-hmm. where we get our buddy comedy with Geralt and dandelion yep Who's Dandelion? Dandelion is a troubadour who is a bad influence and Mm -hmm. a fun friend. He's the guy that you call when you need a night out. And they do a flashback into something that happened a long time ago Mm -hmm. when they first met. Yeah. Are they actually doing anything in this voice of reason or are they just like walking and talking? No, they're just drinking together and uh, just talking. They're really, really just like bullshitting. Okay. 
I was wondering why I was having such difficulty remembering this voice of reason, and I think it might be because there's not really anything that actually happens. Yeah. Um, so the the theme of this is just introducing another pivotal character, mm-hmm. Dandelion, Dandelion, who pops up a lot. He's good comic relief. He's a good foil for... Is he? Sure. He's a good foil for Geralt, <laughs> okay. who is usually super serious. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Okay. So we move on to Edge of the World, mm-hmm. which is a story about Geralt and Dandelion going to a far middle of nowhere mm-hmm. city um, in the Valley of the Flowers or yep. Dol Lothana yep. and finding a devil who ends up being an accomplice to some mountain elves, mm-hmm. the Ain Shade, who... They're exiled mm-hmm. into the mountains, and they are a formerly noble people who end up just having to live mm-hmm. in these areas that don't have a lot of food. They don't have a lot of like mm-hmm. resources, and so they need this devil to, um, you know, help them out with mm-hmm. some intel and some crops. Yeah, um, they're about to kill Geralt and Dandelion until the spirit of like carvist Mm -hmm. and her name is uh, dana medby Mm -hmm. she comes up and leads the elves away it introduces the elves as these really key players in the international politics of the continent and Mm -hmm. the elves are someone we hear about a lot in Mm -hmm. the coming books yeah um and so like you said that this is this the elves actually play a very large part of the overarching like global politics. This is more a world building. There's not a whole lot of like plot that's moved forward here. Um, it's yeah, we, we learn the history of the elves. We learn that they were subject to a very large genocide. Um, and we kind of learn a little bit of like their personalities and the things that they value. We find out a little bit more about like Geralt's involvement with other other races as well, but he's Geralt is not necessarily an agent in this story. So, I guess the theme of this is like what what does it mean to be integrated into society, mm-hmm. and like who is included in the society and who is not? Yeah, yeah, that, that's a good uh, that is a good takeaway from that. Um, it's this sort of simmering conflict that is about to boil over. Mm-hmm. It's it's very, very close, but there's a lot of tension. And it's not a matter of, you know, if this boils over, it's when. Yeah, yeah. So we will see that in future chapters. Yeah, yeah. Um, we move into Voice of Reason Chapter 6. Mm-hmm. This is the Voice of Reason where Nanaki and Geralt are in a cave and they're discussing some larger overarching plot points including mm-hmm. Geralt's relationship with Yennefer mm-hmm. who is a sorceress and um, we learn that they're not on great terms with each other mm-hmm. uh, they they apparently haven't seen each other in a little while yeah. they had some sort of breakup they're an on and off again couple Geralt basically tries to bribe her and Annette yes. is like nah it's not gonna work yeah so this just helps us set up what is the key romance mm-hmm. in the Witcher books and a key character. Really, Yennefer is like, mm-hmm. she is it besides yeah. like yeah. Geralt and Ciri. Mm-hmm. It's Yennefer. Um, so I thought it was just a good intro into our last short story, mm-hmm. which is The Last Wish. Yep. And that is also just an introduction of this romance that is really like, the glue that holds this like 
it is in a lot of ways the glue that really holds the whole series together mm-hmm. um they are they are consistent throughout uh throughout the development of siri they are kind of parental figures later on in the series um their relationship to each other is kind of a once again i kind of made the joke earlier about them being like yenef yenefar yeah rachifer and yeraldos yeah ross um because it's not as funny as you think it is it's not nearly as funny as i think it is i think i'm funny that's all that matters um but it's it is that they kind of play that whole dynamic of will they won't they um and because of the way they the way the timeline bounces around in this story like it's always a kind of a mystery as to whether or not the two of them are like in a relationship at the time or not Um, they're often not but wishing very much that they were oh oh, i see what you did there (laughs) basically what happens even though we just went over it is Geralt and dandelion unleash a djinn Mm -hmm. the djinn creates havoc dandelion gets really injured Mm. um he, Geralt, has to seek help from a local sorceress mm-hmm. that happens to be Yenny. Mm-hmm. And she ends up playing Geralt because she mm-hmm. really wants the djinn and she wants to trap the djinn mm-hmm. um, for a wish that they don't really disclose, but we think is curing her infertility. Mm-hmm. Um, so at first, it's thought that Dandelion is the master of the djinn. We find mm-hmm. out Geralt's the master of the djinn, actually. And when he makes his last wish, he wishes for his destiny to be intertwined with Yennefer's. Mm -hmm. Yennefer is flattered by his wish. Mm -hmm. And at the end, they see each other for who they really are. Mm -hmm. And they have sex. Mm -hmm. And it's clear that they are always going to be in each other's life in one way or the other. And that brings us to the final Voice of Reason chapter, Mm -hmm. which we just went over. I already summarized it, so we don't need to talk about it here. That is just there to introduce future conflict. Yeah. The story doesn't end here. It's just beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it shows a little bit of Geralt. Uh, it shows a little bit of uh, Geralt and how when push comes to shove, he is kind of willing to A, bend the rules a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, he's pretty much always a rule bender, not necessarily a rule breaker. Um, and he's always able to... He's 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 never afraid of fighting for the things that matter to him mm-hmm. but when he needs to he's he's very much of a he, only until they push him to the to the absolute limit will he try and fight them kind of yeah thing. yeah it was really good to see taylor's get got oh yeah by his yeah. own sword yeah because so he perfect is, he's obnoxious um and you you know that you know that nobody has ever told him no and or like slapped him He's the equivalent of a medieval trust fund kid. And yeah, yep. you know what? They need to get some sense beat into every, them sometimes. Every once in a while, yeah. A good a good slap upside the head or so, at least. So with that, should we introduce our wine? I think we should absolutely introduce our wine. And drunkenly talk about like what we think are takeaways yes. for The Last Wishes. Yes, obviously, because our opinions are so important and completely correct. I think we Always. are now known after... Mm-hmm seven episodes as the foremost experts on the witcher mm-hmm. canon we have we have almost dozens of episodes i mean almost we're dozens. close to 10 we have yeah, we have almost done double digit it's episodes. crazy we just have like amazing insights mm-hmm. we're both yep. like scholars yep. so that really helps yeah. um 
we read with just like fine attention to detail. I read at like a ninth grade level. I know. It's so impressive. It's, it's, it's amazing. Like, I just, I know that. Like, it blows yeah, my mind. Yeah, it blows my mind. Yeah. I mean, we are bringing some brand new insights. You Obviously, know, Obviously, our thoughts on things have never been thought before. And our interpretations are not at all basic, juvenile, and sophomoric. Nope. 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 This is cutting edge. Yeah. Okay. So the wine we're introducing here, um, the wine we're drinking tonight, uh, since it is a summary episode, is called 1000 Stories. It is from Mendocino Cal- County, California. Um, we wanted to go with 1000 Stories because we it kind of does feel like we did just go through about 1000 Stories here. Um, and we'll go through 1000 more. Just to be the man who went through a thousand stories. Yeah. This is the thousand stories gold rush red. Um, and this was vintage 2017, uh, which was a very yearish year. I know nothing about what happened wine wise there. Um, but it was also bourbon barrel aged and, uh, allowed to mature and age. Um, so, and that was kind of one of the themes that we wanted to bring in tonight is the, the aging process. Originally, going to do this for the last wish recap. We were, we were, because we like the idea of a gin being, you know, trapped in a bottle and, well, or amphora in this case. Um, same thing, same day. Same, same. Um, or, and we like the idea of it matching with, you know, a barrel aged something because the wine itself is kept in a barrel and, you know, sealed away. So. We're basically an ASMR podcast. We we actually do have a little bit of ASMR in it. And it's completely not intentional because that's not something that I understand. You have to talk really close like this. Is this how it is? No, it's closer. closer. It's closer. Get closer. Like like you're telling somebody a secret. Yeah. You have to, like, like you're gnawing at someone. Like, (laughs) can you hear my lips smacking? My lips lips smack. Okay. This is, like, truly disturbing. It it is a little bit horrifying. (laughs) Um, okay, so we have a little bit more ASMR here. It's a beautiful sound, though. Um, the wine itself is very plum in color. Um, mm. So this is a red blend. Uh, I don't know what it is a blend of. Um, it does not say. Um, it does not say. So, uh, nope. It is just a generic uh, red blend. We're going to have to be satisfied so we're, with we're that. we're going to have to figure it out ourselves. Um, so deep plumish, purpley color, very burgundy. I suspect probably a Cabernet Franc, maybe a Zinfandel, maybe a Syrah. That's just based on the color, though. Let's see. Let's see how it smells. Ooh. Really rich, fruity notes. Really fruity. A lot of cherry, actually. Not getting the usual deep. So it might be a Merlot, would be my guess. Um, For a bourbon barrel age, I don't get a lot of wood. Notes. You probably won't get it in the aroma, but yeah. you might you might get it in the in the taste. So, should we try it? Although there might be a little bit of vanilla in there, it would come out as like a vanilla smell usually. Little menthol on the tail. Yeah. Yeah, I can I can, I can get a little bit of that. I think. Okay, yeah, let's taste it. All right, let's try it. Ooh, mm. so not a whole lot of fruit on the palate. A lot of depth, though. A lot of depth. Um. Like a minerally, a mineraliness of like a Cabernet, mm. um, but it's got like a, a middle note of like a vanilla bourbon, obviously because it's bourbon barrel aged. Yeah. But, um, not a whole lot of bite either. Um, we've been drinking a lot of non-bitey wines lately, which I, I'm not really complaining about. But 
Um, oh, this is super smooth. I, I like it a lot. And there's just a touch, like a touch of like a black pepper on the on the end. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I was getting. A little menthol, a little black mm, pepper. Yeah. Um, and I think that it, there's definitely, I would suspect Cab Franc. A little jammy. I honestly think this is... There's just a touch. Of, it's not like, if you were to, I would not describe it as fruity, but there's there's like a, there's a, there's a LaCroix of fruitiness there. Mm-hmm. Um I'm using LaCroix as, a, as an actual quantifiable, measurable the LaCroix unit, scale. unit of measure now. Yes, it is at least one LaCroix mm. of, of jamminess. So I know it's inappropriate to cheers after you've, you've drank. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I would like to congratulate us on I, I finishing should, our first book. We did. We, I think we should definitely cheers to that. I went into this not knowing what it would be. And I'm very excited that you're coming on this journey with me. Mm-hmm. So after reading the first book, what are your overall thoughts? Mm-hmm. And I guess after that, what are some of your predictions for where the story is going to go? Overall thoughts, I would have to say probably, um, I think one of the, probably the biggest themes that we have in here and probably the biggest takeaway is the idea of uh, predestination versus free will. Mm. Um, because there's so much of this, and it's not even, predestination is even more too specific of a word uh, to apply here. Right. Um, and I think destiny, but there's a little bit more in there as well. Um, there's predetermination, destiny, fate, like all of those things kind of wrapped up into one. Um versus someone actively choosing something um and this is a common theme that we see a lot throughout the the story you see like um the the beast from uh grain of truth um blanked out on the name there for a minute um the the beast from grain of truth dealing with his own determination and destination of being a monster um and Geralt basically taking in the free will and seeing that maybe he's not actually and and that's a kind of a direct conflict between the two ideas mm-hmm. um but that is that is the central conflict essentially of a lot of a lot of this storyline um and it, that kind of very much heavily culminates in in the last wish obviously obviously that is the main point mm-hmm. is that Geralt you know wishes for this entanglement with with Yennefer yeah I something I was thinking about when you were talking is that I think that what's what's so ironic is that the true monsters end up being the men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's not you know, it's not the Kikamora in the woods yes. that's yep. stealing children. Yep. It's not the Striga that doesn't know what it's doing. Mm-hmm. It's the men that have colonized mm-hmm. and like moved into this world and kind of swept up everything in their yeah. path. Yeah. Um, and end up, it ends up being, it's so frequent that Geralt runs into evil men. Yes. Yes. And, and we see, you know, it, it's a common, I, I've said this myself, you know, being an avid outdoorsman, an avid hiker, I never really, not to say I, I'm not afraid of animals, but I don't worry much about running into animals because they're they're just animals. They're going to do what they're going to do. I worry about running into other people. You know, um, people are what what what's really scary. Um, yeah, that you know, I 
I know you already kind of said it, but yeah, the men were the monster all along kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I I think what you already said about destiny being a character, mm -hmm. destiny can, is it something you can outrun? Yeah. Is it something that you create? Is it something that happens to you? Mm -hmm. Those are all questions that are posed but not answered mm -hmm. because there's no real answer to them. Yeah, and, and so, like, even though I kind of made the, the sort of dumb, mm -hmm. hacky suggestion that, you know, this was compared to compared to Final Destination, um, they, they are kind of similar in that they both have, well, Final Destination has death essentially playing a character, like an mm -hmm. actual character almost in the storyline. Um this has destiny, but not necessarily death, um, as as an actual like character that is present in the story. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I'm I'm bringing in I'm meta gaming a little bit here, um, in that I'm I'm bringing in you know some knowledge from a video game that I, I think we're going to see a lot more of that come into play as well with Siri, mm -hmm. um, and that even though Geralt kind of. And we, we talked about Geralt being destiny, or we've talked about Geralt being greatness adjacent previously. Right. Um, and it, it kind of very much later in the, the, at least the game, feel like, it feels like Geralt's destiny was ultimately to bring about the destiny of Ciri. Right. Um, he was more of a facilitator. He was the, you know, he was the grease on the tracks. <laughs> He's the horse the and she's what's tracks. inside. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, He's the Trojan horse and she's the, the, the Trojans. <laughs> yeah. I, I really enjoy the world building here. I know that's not really a theme, but I enjoy this world because it feels real and lived in. Yes. Um, yep. Not to critique any other fantasy series. There's mm -hmm. a lot of great world building out yeah. there. However, um, you know, like how Star Wars had that like used the future. The used future idea. Yeah. Um, yep. This, even though it's a little easier to do that with fantasy, it feels like so often it, it doesn't feel real. Yeah. It feels like people are acting in unexpected ways. Yeah. Um, I feel like everything... Um, that happens in this world is familiar mm -hmm. because yep. it's framed by someone who lives in the world and sees this yeah, in his yep. experiences. Mm -hmm. It's not like he's trying to do a one-to-one -one translation, mm -hmm. but I feel like the motivations for the characters are real. Um, and that's hard to do as a writer. Yeah, it's hard yes. to write people how they really are. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I find this world so believable yeah and realistic i think one of the big things that with it is writing characters that um they don't necessarily behave in expected manners um because that is realistic you know that is that is human that's natural um that like even though you you know even even though a person has this strict code you know has a code of belief mm -hmm. this person has its own motive has motivations they have intent they don't always behave in alignment with that right um because they humans are somewhat unpredictable to begin with and and that's something that he definitely introduces and it makes the characters very dynamic and very interesting and very engaging I think the extraordinary characters in extraordinary situations is mm -hmm. also really interesting. Like Geralt is extraordinary among witchers. Mm -hmm. Yennefer is extraordinary among sorceresses. Mm -hmm. um, these are extraordinary people. And yet 
they're still not as important as Siri, who we're going yes. to be introduced to yeah. down the road. Yeah. These are people that end up helping someone who can save humanity, who, essentially. Yes, yeah. he, he's not a, he, uh, Geralt is not a chosen one, and we've, mm-hmm. we've talked about that before, that we do find out that he is a little bit more special than like just being a run-of-the-mill witcher, but he's still kind of not special. Like, but even people who are not special can end up having yeah. really big impacts in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk a little bit. What do you think is going to happen next? Because you kind of know where it's leading. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think, I mean, and this is kind of predictions. I'm trying not to, to metagame too much here. Um, but that's good, actually, because the next portion of the storyline, the next portion of the storyline I don't know. I'm not actually super familiar with. I'm kind of, I'm familiar with the beginning here and then I'm familiar with the sort of the ending, uh, you know, in where the game ends. Um, but and that's I'm, why I want to know your predictions. I'm really, you, you have no idea middle, what comes in the middle. <laughs> the middle is kind of, kind of a big gap for me. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of like Siri growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, or probably actually going to have Geralt, Geralt talked about not going to claim his, law of surprise surprise uh for like six years and i think a lot of that is because he kind of has he kind of does know i kind of just had a realization Mm. um we never see Geralt scared yeah um and i don't think it's because he's not scared we kind of assume that he's not because he's facing down these giant horrible Mm. human-eating monsters but I think I think he's just very good at not showing it. But he may have a lot of other tells that we're not necessarily picking up on necessarily right away. Mm-hmm. So I think his not going to claim his his love surprise surprise for six years may be out of his fear because he knows he's had those visions of chaos and blood and death and the end of the world. He may know that as soon as I go, as soon as I knock on that door, it's going to start the a chain of events that I can't derail and I can't get off. Yeah, and at the same time... It's he like, may be afraid of that, is what I was driving at. Sorry, I think that's a good point. And also that I could be subjecting this child yes. to the same yes. thing. There's a possibility that that child could have a normal life if I don't intervene. Yeah. So is it... Is it really better for me to have her involved in my life? Mm-hmm. Or is it better for me to just not open that door and find out what's behind it? But then it, then, then the idea of predetermination, destiny, whatever the hell you want to call it, comes into play here where, like, final destination, does she just show up anyways? And we'll see. I, we'll I think see. I have a sneaking suspicion you already know, and I know for a fact that you already know. But It's um, fun to... Um, because I've started reading the books and because mm. I'm a couple books ahead, um, it's fun to find out your predictions. Mm-hmm. You're very rarely wrong. Oh, well. um, <laughs> but it is fun because, like, there, it, it's always, like, cool to um, talk to someone who hasn't experienced all mm-hmm. of it because you yeah. have a different perspective on it mm-hmm. um, and you're in a, a different point of the story. Yeah. So I want to hear your predictions. I wanted to get your take on um, how do you think the storytelling, like, does it pull you in? Do you like the storytelling approach? Because one of the things that I really like about it, actually, because I, 
am so invested in like the Yennefer and Geralt mm-hmm. storyline. I like that they're not always together. Yeah, you I, know, I actually really like that too um, because it actually does make them feel like both independent standalone characters that you mm-hmm. you have investment in in both of them, which makes you even that much more invested in their relationship. Yeah, like, so how do you feel? Does the storytelling work for you? Is this something that you're invested in? Do you want to learn more? I I love dynamic characters. Mm-hmm. I love characters um, that have differing motivations. I love learning about personalities. I love seeing people's interpretations of personalities. Um, and on, say plays with that fantastically Mm -hmm. um and so that's usually what i i love this storytelling because i even even if you and and here's the thing is that like even if you take a story that you already know really really well like you look at like any of the grimm's fairy tales if you drop a character in that's different that has a different personality that has a different look on it has a different take on it they're going to approach it differently Mm-hmm. They're going to interact with it differently. And if you already care about that character, like, yeah, I want to see, you know, um, I want to see Geralt fight Medusa. That's awesome. Like, who doesn't want to see that? Like, how is he going to manage that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's kind of like, it's it's this little creative vision that Anse kind of gives us as to, like, how he interprets different personality types interacting in in sort of already previously known situations kind of thing yeah i i really enjoy his approach to storytelling um when i went into this i was not sure what to expect because of course the native language is polish Mm -hmm. and this is a translation so i was like is it going to be super dense is it Mm going to be hard to understand like um is the translation going to be bad Mm -hmm. but everything translated super seamlessly Mm -hmm. And I thought that the translation was great. I thought that um, everything translated super well, better than it should have. So um, the reason for that was because he actually worked as a translator. Yeah. We did find out later yes. on that. I'd be interested to look up if he actually wrote these in English and then uh, if he wrote these in Polish and then translated them or if he actually There just was wrote a them. translator. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there was a separate translator. So, so they were yeah. originally written in Polish. They're written originally in Polish and then translated. Okay. Um, And this book was published in the early 90s, Mm -hmm. in 1993. So it is almost a 30-year-old book. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sad I slept on it so long. (laughs) Well, (laughs) no. So I think there was a pretty robust community Mm -hmm. before this who had read the books. And then when the video came out, that exposed a completely new, like, group to it. Yeah. And then you have the TV show, which is on the biggest streaming platform in the world. Yeah. Which is introducing even more people to it. So you have this very weird fan base now. Which is there, like, there are like almost three, almost four distinct fan fan base groups of this. You have it's even more than fans. Game of Thrones. Like, yeah. Because like in Game of Thrones, it was like the book, book people versus, versus the TV, TV show fans. people and then some overlap. Yep. But here it's like you have the book people, the video game people, like the TV show people. Mm-hmm. Some people like all three. Some people just like the, the fan art. Like there's a bunch of fan art that, that floats around. The fan art is super cool. I mean like mm-hmm. I really wish I could draw. Yeah. <laughs> I really wish I could draw. I can I can get down with some stick figures. 
I can, yeah. I can, I can, I can do, do a Geralt stick, stick figure. figure. Give him a little ponytail. That'd be really funny. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed this first entry mm-hmm. into the Witcher universe. I thought it was a great um, foray into everything we're going to be um, discussing. Mm. I appreciate the short stories. I'm not really a short story person, actually. I so. I am a sucker for short stories. I am a sucker for small, disposable, quick content um, because I, I need that dopamine fix of just getting something done. Um, yeah. So, so this this actually did a really good job of just keeping my keeping my ADD in check. <laughs> like having these time capsules are really nice mm-hmm. because it's like you have a defined beginning, middle, and end. Yeah, yep. And one of the challenges that we'll have when we go to, um, fortunately, Sword of Destiny is another short story mm-hmm. book. But then we will have the challenge of translating a bunch of plots, yes. a bunch of prose <laughs> yes. into short episodes. Into ep- episode, yeah, podcast. It's fun episodes. in a different way. Um, but I think having these short stories is a good way of easing us into this. Mm. We're not like um, dropped into this big plot right yeah. away. We are just introduced very slowly. Who is Geralt? Who is Yennefer? What is this world? We may never do Game of Thrones on this show. But oh, if we do, it probably won't be for a long time for that reason. Because there's just... I don't know how you you bottle that to make it episodic, like other than watching the actual TV episodes. One of the things that I I really one of the things I really like about um, this series is that it's so approachable, and Mm. I think I told you that, like when I first started reading it, was that I feel like anyone who like you know likes books mm-hmm. would like this yeah yes it's, um, it's really really approachable i have it's read really friendly i have read so much bad fantasy oh yes i have tried it's, so hard it's out there <laughs> like i remember last summer before i knew about this series i was trying to read like i looked up like good fantasy yeah novels. you literally just googled good fantasy and i bought one and it was terrible <laughs> like there was just nothing there for me yeah. And I didn't even are gonna, stumble. Are you going to name him and shame him? No. But it is a, a male author, if, if that oh, no. suggests. They have they have all the female characters wear, like, little tiny bikini armor. It was just, like, not well them. written. I mean, it was just, when it's not well written, you don't want to read you further. Right? <laughs> like, I, I kept... So I don't the, care about these characters. So the thing, like, I, I don't want to say I'm a writer... I have, I have written professionally for my whole life. Not my whole life as a kid, but you know what I mean. In my, I've drank a lot of wine, I'm sorry. But like, so for my whole career, I've written professionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as a kid, I wrote a lot of fiction. And I've read a lot. And so when you read something and you think, I could write this better. I could. <laughs> you don't want to read a book like that. you to be better than what, it's, what it is. You want to read a book. And, and when I read The Witcher, and I know I never have anything bad to say. Um, but when I read The Witcher series, I'm like, how did he do that? Like, it, that's mm-hmm. what's so cool about it as a writer is reading a writer you really respect. And you're like, how did he do that? They make it look like any any good professional or any good creative, they make it look easy. Yeah. Um, any good artist, and that's you know one of the big fallacies of like modern art really is that like it's done in a way that like 
it looks like anybody could do it on a surface level. Yeah, I I think that this series is really fun. Mm-hmm. It's like it makes you want to keep reading, mm-hmm. and that's why I wanted to summarize it on this because I think it's it's approachable. It's not too heavy, and it's really entertaining. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to move on to this next portion mm-hmm. and to read The Sword of Destiny and to also move into The Blood of Elves and the the true meat of the story because I think we'll have a lot to say. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. I, 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 really, I really love Ciri as a character. Um, so I am actually very, very excited to see where she's coming from, where she's going. That's uh, interesting because... Where they're going to fit her in. Last episode, you said that you hated Siri as a child. I, I didn't say. I, I said that I don't really love child Siri from the TV series. I have not seen her in the book yet, and I love sort of young adult Siri mm-hmm. in the video games. Mm-hmm. So I'm really changing excited. your story quite a bit here. I'm not changing the story. I'm adding context. I don't know. Audience, tell us what you think. Did <laughs> is, he tell you? Did he tell you that he hates Siri and doesn't want to read her journey? Well, you know what? I hate fun. So there. John Mark. Hate I'm trying fun. to be hate serious it. for a minute. You're trying to be serious with serious. Tr- oh my trying God. to be serious with Siri. Oh my God. All right. But with that, uh, I think the fire's getting a little low here. Um, I am about out of wine, and I think you are as well. Um, so we very much appreciate you all for joining us through this long endeavor um, and following us along on, on the adventure of our first book. So we appreciate you. Uh, I'm John Mark. I'm Alexa. And good night. Good night. Good night.